it is necessary to investigate before legislating. But the line between investigating and persecuting is a very fine one. The investigators tell us it seems the suspect was going to pass them, then turned and fired. Christine, Laura, what you're seeing behind me is one of multiple locations. Arise to support the impeachment of President Donald J. Trump. And I'm about to talk to him about allegations that he was involved with prostitutes in Moscow and that the Russians taped it and have leverage over him. Welcome to Information Operation. Today we're with Tom Kenneff, who's a GOP candidate for the Manhattan District Attorney's Office, a place that uh, needs strong leadership for sure. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks for having me, Tom. It's great to be here with you. So, look, I know you're an Iraq war vet, which is impressive, but uh, make our audience uh, understand who Tom Kenneth is. Can you give us a, an overview of uh, your background and, and what you want to do in the job? Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, I've, I've been practicing um, law for, for over 20 years now, um, mm -hmm. almost exclusively in the criminal justice system. I started my career uh, in criminal justice as a young assistant district attorney working in the office of uh, Judge Janine Pirro. Uh, who was the, uh, the district attorney at that time. Um, during the course of my tenure there, if you would, um, if you will, I uh, was activated with the Army National Guard where I served as an officer in the JAG Corps. Um, mm. Shortly after the war in Iraq broke out, and I was deployed and served at uh, an operation, OIF-3, Operation Iraqi Freedom-3, uh, really all mm. through 2005 outside, uh, outside Tikrit. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I returned from, from combat. I, I had a, uh, another stint at the DA's office and myself and my current law partner said at that point, you know what, maybe it's time to try the private sector. And uh, we started a criminal defense firm here in New York and we've been doing that ever since. So I've really been on both sides of, of the criminal justice system, prosecutor, defense attorney, civilian, military. So I think I, I come to this job as equipped as anyone. Well, obviously, you know, I've talked to a lot of people in Manhattan because we recently started a, a paper uh, there called the Gotham City Hill, which is going to be out and flourishing soon. But it seems that uh, it seems like there's almost Democrat capture or Marxist capture of the DA, DA's office in New York, but specifically in New York City uh, and in pushing this whole, you know, not not prosecuting people, uh, emptying the prisons, uh, defund the police, the whole thing that the Bolsheviks did prior to 1917. I mean, if you know history, it's it's very similar. I mean, how, how, how do you combat that? I mean, obviously get people in the office, but what, what are your thoughts on that? Common sense, bring yeah. it to the people. I mean, listen, I, I have, you know, I, I everyone reminds me of the dispar disparity in voter registration here. You know, I know that mm -hmm. Democrats far outweigh uh, Republicans in Manhattan uh, throughout New York City. Mm -hmm. doesn't mean that all those Democrats are on board with this insanity. Right. And frankly, look, that's what it is. I, I can't, yeah. I can't give a more out eloquent uh, adjective. Um, uh, it, it is an, an insane, uh, far left, radical, destabilizing agenda. Yes. Um, so when I speak with Democrats and, and so many of them, they see it too. You know, they're like, this is not your Daniel Patrick Moynihan Right. Uh, you know, 
John Kennedy or even Lyndon Johnson or even Bill Clinton Democratic agenda that's being pushed here. It's something far darker, far more mm-hmm. radical. And as I, as I said a few minutes ago, far more destabilizing. And, and, and sadly, it, look, it is not just New York City. 40, estimates say that 40 percent of the district attorney's offices in the country are now under the control of progressive DAs. Mm-hmm. This is a national playbook. My opponent, Alvin Bragg, is, is, is a thick page in that playbook because he's funded by an organization called The Color of Change, which is fed by George Soros. Mm-hmm. And the goal, look, they believe that the American system is inherently oppressive and systemically racist. And what better way to undermine a system that they believe is corrupt, and they believe that, um, than to undermine law and order? Because you can't yeah. show you can't show me society in the history of the world that has ever endured lawlessness. So, so it is purposeful. Now, what's what, what's frustrating is they're succeeding admirably. Okay, if you look mm-hmm. at San Francisco, Chicago, Detroit, Philadelphia, they're, they're all under the control of progressive. Decarcerate, defund, do not prosecute district attorney's offices. The reason they're successful is one, they come in with loads of money from the George Soros uh, groups. And secondly, the district attorney's office is obscure to a lot of people. A lot of people don't really understand, unless they're in the legal industry, unless they're very politically astute, they don't understand what a district attorney does and what a vital position it is. That's why I tell everybody who will listen that, look, this race, the DA's race in Manhattan, I think is, is as important, if not more important than the mayoral race, because this really has the potential to just undermine, not just law and order, but, but, but our society. Yes. How, you know, I, I agree with you. There's a lot of cities that are uh, captured, if you will, but I, I tend to think that what happened in the last eight, nine months has really ripped the mask off of a lot of what's been happening and people have are awakening and have a much clearer view of an understanding of what's happening. But how do we, you know, if we do, if you do get an office, how do we hold some of these people accountable? Cause a lot of this is criminal behavior, you know, which is overlooked by, you know, the officials that should be taking care of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, you know, the, the, run a BDA so I can prosecute criminal behavior. All right. Mm-hmm. So I'm a district attorney and people are engaging in criminal activity, okay? mm-hmm. um, no matter what that is, whether whether it's a shootings, murder or busting through windows of retail mm-hmm. establishments that, by the way, we're trying so hard to attract and rebuild here in New York City. because We lost so many of them. So many have been decimated by the pandemic, yeah. the, the looting and so forth, is that there is going to be a consequence for that conduct. All right. Deterrence mm-hmm. is the backbone of the criminal justice system. All right. Now, deterrence mm-hmm. can look like different things. How you deter a turnstile jump, how you deter deter someone from possessing a, a small amount of individual use narcotic. It, it, it can be and should be much different than how you deter someone who commits a violent crime. All right. Sometimes deter deterrence can be therapy. It can be rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm all mm-hmm. for that. I've been a little defense during mm-hmm. 15 years. So anybody who wants to paint me as some you know right uh, far right nut who's you know running so I could put everybody I, I see in jail, uh, good luck with that argument. It's not it's not going to yeah. anywhere. Not not yeah. with me. Okay. Yeah. So you know, but but there needs to be a consequence when people act illegally and saying that you know I was I, I was I was you know looting because I was upset or outraged or what have you. Different people have different triggers and. You know, depending on what side of the, 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 the ideological spectrum you're on, you know, we, we may people may have all reason, all sorts of motivations to lash out. It doesn't mean mm-hmm. we accept it as a society. 
Um, now, as far as the legislature's concerned, look, I think some of them probably should be held criminally liable for some of these laws they passed. Yeah. Uh, but of course, that you know, passing bad law is not a crime. So I think right, what we need, right. we do need to do with respect to that is look, people need to have the message. You know, unfortunately, you know, too many people go robot, probably on both sides of the aisle, by the way. I'm not going to give Republicans a free pass mm -hmm. here. Um, you know, go into the into the voting booth and robotically pull the lever because they see the donkey or they see the elephant, and particularly on these local races, and they have they have the slightest clue of who the person is they're voting for, and as a result, they wind up getting yeah. policies they don't like. Um, I was at a meeting uh, on the Upper West Side, a community precinct meeting, twenty uh, fourth uh, precinct, arguably one of the most liberal areas in New York City. Everyone in there, all the residents, they had a I'm sure we're 80, 90% Democrats, outraged by bail reform. Someone gets up and says, well, how did, who are these people that that that, that created this law? And some other resident gets up, she takes them and says, you put them in office. You voted for them. Yep. Everyone starts yep. looking over their shoulders like, who, me? Yeah. Well, what, yep. what do you think they're going to do when you get, when you get, when they get up there? So. How, how do you, uh, I tend to think that the paradigm politically has shifted in the United States. It's no longer really Republican or Democrat. It's real, uh, I would say, for lack of a better term, kind of freedom versus control. I mean, do, do you want a government that's going to be intrusive and control your life or you don't? So how do you, how do you get that message to, uh, just like you said, the, the Upper East Side, you know, wife who's voted Democrat her whole life? Uh, you know, how, how, do, how, do you, how do you get that message out? What do I do? Because I don't have millions of dollars mm -hmm. in PAC money and I got to mm -hmm. I got to endure, you know, Republican leading billionaires who, who could help me, who want to say, oh, mm -hmm. well, you know, I don't think it's going to work. And Republican can't win Manhattan. Mm -hmm. and, and look, that's what I deal with. I'm, mm -hmm. I'm just going to tell it like it is. Um, yeah. So I, I go and talk with them. Uh, you know, I, I'm still a member in the National and the Army National Guard. I was actually drilling mm -hmm. this yesterday, this weekend with the Harlem Hellfighters mm -hmm. on the 369th. Don't tread on me. Um, mm -hmm. I got out of drill a little early on Sunday. I said, you know what? I'm going to take my car. And I drove over to 150, 145th Street, went outside the food town. No, no mm -hmm. handlers, no entourage, no aides. Um, and, and started talking to the folks up in Harlem. And you know what? With most of them, I was conversing just like we are. And, and you, yep. you, think that you think they want no police in their neighborhood? You, you think they want uh decriminalization on the scale we're seeing where there's no consequence. Mm -hmm. uh, my, my opponent, part of my opponent's policy is he's not going to prosecute crimes less than $250. Right. So one of the gentlemen that came out of the food tank actually worked there. His name's David. I, I tweeted about African-American gentleman. Um, we had a conversation. Like, you know, I said, this is part of his agenda. So what, what, you know, what, what is that going to do to stores like this that are not only you know, in, in your underserved neighborhoods are, you know, sometimes need to be attracted to come there in the first place to do business. But they're, they're employers in those areas. And yeah. you know, now you can go and fill up a bag. And if you have $249 worth of groceries, the, the district attorney is not going to prosecute that. He's going to ignore it. Yeah. Do that once a week. That's real money. <laughs> you explain that You explain that to a Democrat on, on a street, you know, yeah. on the street in Manhattan. And look, you know, I'm not going to get every vote, but your, right. your average middle of the road Democrat, which I still think is the majority of, mm -hmm. of people, you know, look, human beings are inherently moved towards moderation, I think. Yeah. There's always extremes. You know, they understand that and they, they don't want it. Um, and that's why I think there's a winnable race. Now, I have to reach the people. 
can only talk to so many people, right? Because right. I'm one guy, and even if I have volunteers, it's a big town. Um, you know, that's a little more complicated. But if I can mm -hmm. reach, if the voters know I'm here, I, I have no problem uh, for seeing that this is as a, a race I'll win on November second. Does the DA's office have any impact on the homeless situation? I'm not sure how that, you know, power well, divide works. I think there, there there's impact on it. I mean, we're not, you know, as the district attorney, I'm not out there making, uh, you know, running the homeless shelters or or, or deciding how to spend right. money or creating policy with respect to that. But look, you know, part of the reason why we're having the problem with homelessness in the city, and it's not all the reason because I am in no way, shape or form implying that all homeless are criminals and that they, they belong mm -hmm. in jail. Um, it's not at all what I'm saying. However, yeah. Mayor de Blasio and the New York City Council in their infinite wisdom decided that they want to take the Rikers population from within a few years ago, within as recently as four or five years ago, always hovered around 10 or 12,000. By the way, the big, biggest reduction in the Rikers population come, came under Giuliani and Bloomberg. They took it from about 22,000 mm -hmm. down to close to about 12,000, cut it almost in half, not by not prosecuting crime, but by dealing yep. with crime. And that's when right. the murder rate went from 2,200 down to 300, guess a lot, what? There's a lot less people charged with murder that need to be in Rikers, but digressing sure. from now the de Blasio administration says they're going to get the number down to 3,300. I'd like the number to be zero. I'd like to stab no one in jail, but there yeah. needs to be a corresponding decrease in crime. You can't get right. the conclusion before you know, the chapter of the book. Um, so because they're hell-bent on doing this with, with a big helper from the legislatures in Albany and bail reform, we now have the Rikers population. It's, it was down to as low as about 4,500. Now it's come up a little bit because we've got such a spike in crime, but it's hovering around 5,000. So right now, as we speak, we have five to 7,000 people on the streets in New York City, okay, because they don't get out of Rikers and move to Boca, Yeah. Um, that in any other time would be incarcerated, okay? That contributes not to the, well, to the homeless problem, because a lot of them probably find themselves uh, undomiciled. Mm -hmm. But a, an element of that population that is committing crime. And, and that's, by the way, by the way, one of the reasons why the Upper West Side, traditionally very democratic area, uh, a lot of people up there are talking very much in favor of law and order right now. In fact, there's a well, book. They put all the shelters up there, right? Absolutely. The there's hotels. a Facebook group yeah. called Upper West Siders Together that has about 16,000, 17,000 members. And it's just all devoted to the, the crime and quality of life in New York City. So what I can contribute to the homeless problem as the district attorney is making sure that the homeless that should be that, that, that are not homeless because of poverty and, and so forth mm -hmm. homeless because they've committed crimes and really should be crimes that would warrant incarceration are you know if they belong in a jail they should be in a jail not in a homeless shelter because if anything that for one, one reason is that they're terrorizing the other members of the shelter that are, that are law that are not a criminal element or legitimately there because they need right. to be there that's not fair to the true homeless if you will um, I, I also, there's a lot that I talk about with, with mental health issues. Um, as a criminal defense mm -hmm. attorney, I've, I've represented many people with severe mental health issues. The, the way the criminal justice system has treated mental health um, in New York State, um, and I'm sure in other places as well, is criminal. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I, I've done arraignments in New York City. They used to go 24 hours. Now they go from, from 9 a.m. to 1 a.m. And I've done more arraignment shifts 
um, that I can count. And a lot of the work I've done as a criminal defense attorney is indigent defense. All right. Mm -hmm. So, I, I, you know, you get a paid client who pays you a lot of money, they're less likely to have a mental health issue. But when you start doing indigent defense that I've done for many years, um, you, you interact, you, you come to the crossroads of criminal defendants who have mental health issues more frequently. Um, you know, we've had a catch and release policy because what happens is you'll see the, the police, they'll arrest someone, low level offense, turnstile jump, uh, uh, disorderly conduct, what have you. Not the type of arrest that we put ever put people in Rikers for, nor should we. Um, if it, if it's not a, uh, recurring problem with that individual, um, and the police will just release them back out of the street. And it's obvious to anybody watching that this is someone who's under the influence of a severe psychiatric condition. So yeah. I want to have psychiatrists in every courtroom and I want to have judges to be able to order a screening at arraignment and to do it, not a jail hold, but a psychiatric hold. If they find evidence that the person based on that medical evaluation is under the influence of that sort of psychiatric condition. So you can get them help, get them medicated. Um, it is amazing what proper treatment and medication can do for someone, even who's you know having audio-visual hallucinations as a result of, of schizophrenia. So, um, you know, if, if we deal with problems as opposed to just rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic and mm -hmm. doing the turnstile mm -hmm. criminal justice system, we, we can save people both from jail and hopefully from from homelessness as well. Yeah, the last few times I've been in the city, I've uh, been mugged twice, mostly by just crazy people around the metro stations, you know, that are harassing it, people or whatever. So, yeah, no, it, it's it's terrible. You know, I, I always kind of, you know, trial attorneys love telling their war stories. Mm -hmm. I picked a lot of juries in Manhattan. One of the reasons why I think I can relate to the Manhattan voter, not only because I've lived here, is because uh, I, I've done picked so many juries here. You really get to, to understand what the fabric of the town is when you're interviewing people to see if the, you would mm -hmm. put them on your criminal jury. You know, and, and for so long, you know, one of the questions are always that, 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 that they're always asked, hey, have you ever been a victim of a crime? And the judge will usually ask that to the entire jury veneer. And you would see this disparity, you know, the people that were in their 40s and 50s, mm -hmm. um, maybe now they'd be born in their 50s and 60s because they've been doing this for a while. You'd see almost almost every hand go up or many of them. Right. And people would start saying, well, you know, I, I was mugged this time in 1978. In 1981, my car was stolen. In 1983, I was assaulted. I was persecuted. Yep. So like, what? And then you'd get to the younger generation, the people that had came to age here, come of age here, if you will, in, in the late 90s and 2000s. And you really would, you know, you, of course, there's always exceptions, but you'd barely see any hands. So you really got to yep. see the difference of, of, of how we turn the city around. And now to see it being taken back um you know into chaos based on myths mm -hmm. based on progressive myths it's heartbreaking in fact it's the reason i'm in the race it's the only reason i'm here i never you know had any interest yeah. in running for office i had no interest in being district attorney i checked that box as a young ada I have a good defense practice nice family who wants to go in public life in, in today's day and yep. age right um but but i just can't you know I, I was unwilling to stand by and be a passenger to just to, to watch um, what's yeah. being done to, to this great town. Well, it's method to their madness. I mean, it's all about destroying society and economic prosperity. I mean, because now, you know, who's going to want to come into New York City and hold, hold a business event or whatever, because there's a direct economic impact to this crime. Um, well, there is. And, and you know, Todd, the, the real tragedy is, it's a point I always try to make because I feel so strongly about it, is, mm -hmm. you know, the people that are the very people that these progressives appear you know, purport to be championing, championing uh, you, Brown and, and 
black people and underserved communities, minorities mm. are the ones most terrorized by their policy policies. So you yes. look and you say, hey, last year we had a 97% increase in shootings in New York City, one year alone. Uh, I did an interview before this. The reporter said, oh, wasn't it COVID? I said, no, it wasn't COVID. You know why? Because first of all, we lost so many residents during COVID. The New York City, the actual and, and practical population in New York City was lowest it's ever been because not only the residents have left, think of all the commuters that come in from Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey every day that weren't coming in. The tourists, the bars and nightclubs, which of course, you know, nightlife yep. has always been a castle that was shut down. No, it wasn't COVID. It was wrongheaded criminal justice policies that went in, that happened to go into effect in New York, at least on January 1st, 2020, just a couple of months before COVID. Um, but who, who do you think disproportionately is the victim of those shootings? It's not guys that look like us. Okay, yeah. You may have yeah. one-offs here and there, but you're going to be talking 90-something percent are going to be minorities. Okay, Who are the people yeah. that... Who are the where are the neighborhoods that most need good retail and good jobs? Right, it's it's our underserved yep. community. You know, listen, whatever good, good happens. Good food. I mean, go down the road. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Look, you know, whatever happens, you know, guys like me will always land on our feet. You know, um, uh, you know, the Upper West Side when things got really rotten, we had the article in the Post last year about all the moving vans. You know, they're picking up and going. Yeah. You know, down at Raleigh, Florida, Boca talked about before yeah um you know a lot of people here don't have that option right they're driving right. our buses you know there are subway conductors they're running bodegas local businesses and so forth and they don't have that mobility and then they're stuck left holding the bag that these you know progressive folks that that, that are loyal to nothing other than their ideology they don't they don't yes. care about the actual people if they did they wouldn't be they, they wouldn't be pawning this this agenda off because it's 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 not only terrorizing them it's lethal they only they only care about power and money that, that's it, um, it's, 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 you yeah. know, and, and look that that's an ideologue right mm -hmm. you know the ends justify the means right mm -hmm. um and, and sadly that's what we're seeing here and, and i've said it again i've said it before yeah. i'll say it again that that that's that's the reason for the tom kenneth candidacy nothing else fantastic so thanks for coming on what, what how can people Get in touch with you. What's your social media? All of that stuff. Yeah, how can so, they donate? So how can they support? Yeah, absolutely. No, appreciate it. So everything we're 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 doing. It, I think pretty much everything under the Kniff for DA. So it's K E N N I F F the number four DA.com. That's mm -hmm. the website address. The Twitter handle is Kniff the number four DA.com. Instagram and so forth. I'm getting back an education or a baptism by fire in social media since I went mm -hmm. into this. I was actually trying to get off social media before. Yeah before all this but that's it and look i i would encourage anyone to support in, in any way you can i mean it, it's it's never uh the worst part about this business is raising money particularly mm -hmm. when you have to do it as a republican in, in a democratic town um and and everybody hates poli money in politics especially me but you know the old edge is i like to see you live without it um because you know the reality is we, we need to you know we, we can do a lot just uh, putting in the sweat equity, but it takes money to get ads and get media and so forth. And, yeah. and if you can't, if you can't, if you can't contribute, if that's not something that you can do financially, I, I, I utterly understand and respect that. Um, but you know, there's so much people can do by following us on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, posting, reposting their neighbors and so forth. And, and anyone who, who's, you know, I know, I know we got a national audience here, anyone who's going to fool themselves into thinking, mm -hmm. well, why should I care about who the district attorney is in Manhattan? You know, I live in uh, Texas or I live in Alabama. This affects everything. Um, 
if 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 my sure. opponent is elected, um, and 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 the, this is not high, this is not hyperbolic. We will lose this city, and it'll take yeah. easily a generation to get back if we ever get it back. Um, yes. And if you think that losing New York City to uh, lawlessness is not going to, I don't care. I don't care if you live on a ranch in Montana that affects the national economy. So, uh, yes. and so many other things. And most of all, it affects humanity because none, none of us should be, uh, certainly not complicit, not even complacent in watching, uh, people be victimized unnecessarily fellow, fellow humans. So, so if you care about all that, you know, I ask, and I know, and I know everyone does to, to, to consider helping in whatever way is right for you. Well, it's, there's never been a good end to this ideology. It normally ends up with tens of millions murdered, but uh, in the long run. Well, thank you very much, Tom. We want to have you back on as the uh, as the campaign progresses and help get your word out. But uh, appreciate you taking your time out of your busy schedule. So thank you. Yeah, this has been outstanding, Todd. I can't thank you enough for having me. All right, man.